I'm just glad to see you all. I'm extra, extra, extra glad that next week we're going to be back to one service. <laughs> Kim's glad too, just for the record. Um, yeah, next week uh, is Father's Day. It's going to be a good day here at the house of the Lord. Um, I am expecting great things next week. And uh, come and join us. Amen. If you have friends or family who are going to be with you and they don't have a place to attend, then bring them to church. And if they're a dad, they're going to get free root beer. So there you go. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I want to get straight into the Word of God, if that's okay with everybody. All right. Um, This last week, last Sunday morning, I spoke on the subject that I entitled Equality. Uh, In that message, I addressed uh, the fact, the simple fact, that God created man. God created man. God didn't create an ethnicity. God created man. And he created him in his own image. And I also discussed in your hearing that because God created man and that God created man in his own image and that the fact that Genesis 1 tells us that he said, let us, the the Trinity, the triune Godhead, got together and said, let us make man. That in, in light of that fact, that racism is a sin. And if anybody remembers, we... You'll remember that I made it very clear that racism is a sin. I gave an entire list of things from the World Council of Churches, but the reality is racism is a sin simply because it separates a certain ethnicity, whatever your, your favorite poison is there in that, from their original origin in the divine creative decision-making of God. In other words, you extract people from being equal before God. That they are not family, that they are not in His image, they are something else. And that's why it's a sin. This week I want to speak to you um, concerning where all of our current, and I say current, but it really is not exactly current, it's just this is the newest phase where our current upheaval and unrest come from. I want to talk to you briefly about this this morning. I'd like to speak to you for just a matter of minutes on the subject that I've entitled the origin of unrest. Addressing this subject for now, uh, the second week in a row isn't an attempt at riding a wave. Okay? This is not an attempt at riding a wave. It's not. I am compelled to address this subject, but not simply because of recent events throughout our country. Now, granted, in recent times, this is probably, quite frankly, the most egregious of racially 
promoted events that we have seen. Granted, I give you that. But that's not really why I am addressing this now for the second week. I don't, you see, the thing about it is, is I'm not typically one who jumps on bandwagons. I've played in a lot of bands, and they're usually not any fun, so I'm not going to jump on someone else's wagon. Thank you for those of you who actually got that. But as I've watched this past week, the week before, all of this unfold on our TV screens throughout the nation, I began to see certain things and I feel compelled to talk about this. I really do. In the hearing of the church. Now the bottom line is, is those of you who are children or students, I mean, of the Bible, will recognize the fact that you can have the most compelling of all arguments concerning the kingdom of God in Christ Himself, only for it to not only fall on deaf ears, but can be... uh, um, come against very strongly. You see it in the Word of God. Maybe some of you have experienced that in your own personal lives when attempting to address the Word of God, the Kingdom of God, and the Son of God with those that you rub shoulders with. Sometimes people embrace that at various levels, and sometimes they come against what it is you're trying to say vehemently. So I'm coming to you this morning not because... There aren't a million platforms to speak on outside of this church, which there are. And I don't mean other churches. But I'm the shepherd of this flock, and I find it very, very important to address this subject while it's fresh. And quite frankly, I don't know when this subject will ever not be fresh. But... As I've watched the television, as I've seen things unfold, it is as though the riots, and I relegate this to rioting, not the protesters. You see, as I said a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, Pentecost Sunday, that if you're protesting injustice, that is an honorable, noble thing. It is a First Amendment right to do so in our Constitution in the United States. And I will back you in your right to protest, even if I don't agree with what you're protesting about. You have the right, and I'm with you on that. But I'm going to relegate these immediate statements to rioting. Okay, does everybody understand my qualification? It is as though, as I've been watching these things, that the rioting and the rioters in our major cities are serving as a case study, or since it's all over these states, case studies, plural, for what people will resort to when there seems to be no answers, or at the very least no ears to hear their cries. Now, with rioters, I think I have to amend that a little bit, When there seems to be 
No reconciliation for what they want. It is though, to my mind, and my mind alone, it is as though we're living in the days of the Old Testament judges, where chapters 17 and 19 of the book of Judges says, In those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. It is as though we're there. That Israel had no king, and everybody just went around doing what they wanted to do. It is as though America no longer has a king. That it has ceased to recognize Him, the sovereign divine, about whom is stated on all All of our national currency in God we trust. And now everyone is doing whatever they see fit to do to acquire the end of what they desire. I am compelled to trace these events what we're watching and have watched, these events, from their actual origin. Now, notice I didn't say to their natural origin. I said from their natural, actual origin from eons past. Now, here's the funny thing about what's been going on. And I'm, can, can we just talk today? Is that all right? This is a highly polarized and volatile conversation that we're having. It is. But the reality is, is as we watch the news, as we watch the various things that we're watching and seeing unfold, there's discussions about this very subject right back behind the baptistry this morning. I was involved in them. As we watch this, we are, as people, quick, and I'm not trying to blanket accuse. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just, this is our nature. We are quick to assign blame to various organizations and activists or a given political party, and we're quick to do all of that when in reality, as big and as influential And as well-funded as some of those entities are, brothers and sisters, hear me, the actual origin of what we're watching is far, far more influential, well-funded, and older. We trace the origins of what we're watching to eons past. Not some organization with some angry members. Not some political party with their mindset on changing America fundamentally. The fault here goes far, far beyond that. And if you can just wrap your head around the reality... 
the people we're watching on television and the people we hear about with their organizations and their, their uh, political alignments, they are all merely deceived pawns in an eternal battle that will find a conclusion. In attempting to address the civil and social unrest in our country, people are trying to solve the issue of, in this particular case, racism and inequality, saying, in essence, if we could just reform this, if we could just reform this, or if this group would just do this, or if that other group would just stop doing that. Man, in his limited vision, has always tried to solve its deepest problems by treating its symptoms. If we could just get this to happen, then all of this would be fine. Guess what? No, it wouldn't. It would not be all right. There is a fundamental flaw on planet Earth that the first couple brought into reality. That flaw remains. And that flaw is at the root, at the core of everything that's wrong. Getting reform, defunding somebody, or getting a group to do X, Y, or Z isn't going to fix what is really going on. Proverbs 14 and 12, quoted this on many occasions, puts it this way, there is a way that appears right to a man. But in the end, it, it leads to death. You think you got it figured out, you don't. But treating symptoms won't fix this problem. It simply won't do it. In fact, this problem isn't a problem at all. This isn't a problem we're seeing. This is sin. It's sin and there is only one cure for sin. And there is only one cure for all and every sin that is known to mankind. And that is the blood of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is in the redemption business, who is crucified, buried, rose again on the third day and ascended to the right hand of God to forever and always make intercession for us. He is the answer and He can change our world. We quote it all day long. But the reality is, is that if my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Oh, but listen, this is where that verse goes so far south and turn from their wicked ways. You see, 
God isn't calling out rioters and protesters and people in political parties that are lost because they're lost. They're expected to act like animals, unregenerate by the blood. But you and I, we are the ones who are not going to the throne of God and therefore that is labeled wickedness. Then will I hear. I'm up here in heaven. If you'll just do what I ask, then I'm going to hear. I'll forgive you. And I will heal your land. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate you. Because racism is in fact sin. We must then acknowledge the fact that it has an origin. And based on that origin, racism must be a lie. Based on the origin of the sin, it must be a lie. A lie that has been and continues to be uh, uh, perpetuated on mankind by the enemy of our souls. If racism is in fact a lie, and it's doing what I'm saying that it does by extracting people from their holy sacred origins in God, and that's sin, I think we can all get on board, then it has to be a lie. Because of the origin of the sin, it has to be a lie. That it cannot be truth that racism is right. That racism is correct. That racism is apropos to speak the French. In our text this morning, in John chapter 8 and verse 44 in the NIV, Jesus said this. Now keep in mind, he's speaking to a bunch of religious folk here, okay? That's the context. He says this, You belong to your father, the devil. Talk about elitists. These cats were elitists. And he looked at right that right man, and I'm telling you, in their elitism, they were very, very, very prone to make sure that you knew they were right with God. I've heard more pro-abortion talk in the past two weeks, or not talk, pro-abortion individuals, the highest, most well-known in our political uh, arenas around our country, so for things like removing prayer from schools and, and our pro-abortion, talk about their prayer lives and don't call them anything uh, because they pray as much as you. I have heard more about that in the past couple of weeks than I care to talk about. Remember, these were important people he was telling were sired by the devil. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. That is exactly what we're seeing, brothers and sisters. Now, 
You might take issue with some of this, and that's fine. You have the right to do so. I have about mm, 30-ish or less minutes to get all this in. I can't cover all the nuances, and I'm not going to try. But what I'm going to say, I'm just going to say, you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not, listen, holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So if, if racism is a sin, then based on the origin of that sin, we have to believe that it is a lie that those who have bought into are being deceived. Why is this something that I feel so compelled to address at this time? Well, here's why. I'm going to tell you. Again, not a bandwagon guy. It's not a wave-riding experience. It's this. I'm hearing from many, many spirit-filled leaders that I actually rub shoulders with that God is in the process of shaking His church. If that's the case, if God is shaking His church, if God is, is, is doing such a thing, then it would behoove us not to ignore what's happening around about us. He is shaking His church that He is using. Notice that I said the word using, not causing. He is using these events like the COVID-19 pandemic and the civil unrest, protests, and riots against racism and law enforcement to force, to force not them to get right. That's not it. He's shaking His church to force His church to look at itself and determine a course forward. You might as well get it out of your mind, if it's in your mind, that the lost need to hear God and get right. Let me tell you something, guys. The only way they hear God is if the church does the job that it was commissioned to do. And if we're not doing that, listen, if we're not doing that, then guess why God is shaking this church to make it look at itself and determine what it is that we need to do and may I add what we need not to do. We can look at racism and, the, and abuse of power and unruly violence and a thousand other things and seek to solve those individual problems. But in so doing, we're just treating symptoms. Jay, put the illustration up on the screen. I want you to look at this. We have two castles. One is labeled evolution, underneath which is Satan. The other is creation, or Christ. Now, let me qualify that. This book comes from 
a book entitled The Lie by Ken Ham. This is a book specifically about creation evolution. I want to adopt this for our discussion this morning. So if we can just replace the word evolution over here, and I guess we could just leave the word Satan. Works for me. And we were to replace the word creation with the word, we can leave Christ there. Satan's kingdom in the castle opposed to Christ's kingdom. Over here in Christ's kingdom we see Christianity, the flag. Up in the, up in the balloons we see abortion, abortion, racism, pornography, homosexuality, and euthanasia and others. And I want you to notice how the church, Christianity, notice what the church is doing to combat the abortion, the racism, the pornography, etc. They're shooting at the issues. They're firing at the issues. Full of hot air suspended above the very kingdom of the devil. And here we have one little guy over here on a cannon who's rejoicing because he just popped a balloon. But I want you to notice what the kingdom of Satan is doing. They're not, he's, the devil's not shooting at the preachers. He's not shooting at the flag. He's shooting at the very foundation that the kingdom of God is established on. And if he can erode the foundation enough, the Christi- Christianity will, be, will fall. It will become irrelevant. It will become unimportant. It will be marginalized and sidelined. While we spend our time celebrating our victories over individual issues. We, in fact, need to change how we fire. And we need to attack the reality. Ladies and gentlemen, I would, I would argue before you this morning that we are not fighting a fight against racism. We're fighting a fight against the liar and the one who is a murderer from the beginning. And if we attack the devil instead of his ploys, we will see victory. We can't argue racism. Racism's a reality. And I'm telling you, you're not going to change that. It's been here long before Abraham Lincoln. It's been here long before the slave traders in early America. But if we can go to the root of what racism is, the devil and deception and lies. Then, brothers and sisters, now we're going somewhere because that's what he's doing to us. For the purpose of our... Oh, I've already gone over that. Never mind. I'm sorry. The church needs to look at the roots. The church needs to look at the foundation of all these issues and see that the solution is the same for all of the issues we face. The solution is the Lord Jesus Christ. Never one time did Jesus say, go and preach against 
those issues. He said, preach the good news. And those who need the good news will respond to it as my spirit moves on them. Go! I'll work with you. I'll confirm the words with signs following. Go! Guys, stop wasting your time. Start preaching Jesus. I was on a Zoom meeting Monday with Brian Ming and pastors from all over the nation discussing this very subject, this very subject. And the guest speaker, maybe some of you know who this is, the guest speaker was named Jim Hennessy. Jim Hennessy is the lead pastor of Trinity Church up at Cedar Hill, Texas. Um, he has one of the largest churches in all of Cedar Hill. This guy has, get a load of this, he has 120 staff members. That's a little struggling church. And his church sits smack dab in a majority African-American community. And Jim Hennessy is as white as I am. He's got much better hair. It's phenomenal. I was on the Zoom meeting trying to run my fingers through it. It was just this flat screen. It was like so frustrating. In this meeting, Pastor Hennessy made a very interesting statement. While meeting with his staff that very morning, that exact morning, one of the things he gave them six points. I'm going to give you one. One of the things he said to them was this. Recognize the value of our house. Recognize the value of our house. Now, remembering that he was talking to his staff about Trinity Church in Cedar Hill when he said that. But the reality is that statement has value for you and I as well here at CWC. We have to recognize the value of our house. Recognize the value of our house speaks to mission. If you want to know what our mission is, and you have internet access, go to cwc.corsicana.org and it will open up to our mission. And if it speaks to mission then that begs the question, what is the value of our house? What is our value? Why do we exist? Are we fulfilling our reason for existence? What are we doing? What aren't we doing? What are we going to do that we... Or what, what are we doing that we don't need to do? Well... As I conclude, let me just say, there's going to be more on that later. God has jumped all over me. I'm going to conclude now. This isn't about the latest news cycle, brothers and sisters. This is not about the latest news cycle. This isn't about what the next news topic will be coming down the pike. When the civil unrest occurred in our major cities, the news, and by default us, we all but forgot about COVID-19. A pandemic that closed the world. And we have civil unrest in our major cities and we totally forgot about it because it wasn't in the news cycle. 
if the church is in fact being shaken. Then the church is being called upon to first listen to the Spirit of Almighty God and to what it is that He is saying. This is a time, listen, this is a time to be still and know that He is God. Revelation puts it this way. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's the first thing we've got to do. We've got to hear what the Spirit is saying. And second, we have to step to the forefront. (laughs) Out of the shadows of social irrelevance and into the light of fulfilling the Great Commission. We, the church, have to change our conversations and our discussions from political rhetoric. Who has the answers? Who is causing the problems? We have to change our discussions and our conversations from political rhetoric to kingdom truth. With the exception of the hypocritical religious, Jesus, notice, didn't take sides. He didn't call out political names or groups in Roman-occupied Israel. Matter of fact, he ministered to a few of them. Amen. He preached the good news and embodied the kingdom of God. That's what he did. I understand that all evil has to do to succeed is for good men to do nothing. I get it. We're more than good men. We're kingdom brothers and sisters who have the power of God behind them. Stand with me. Father, we worship you and we praise and glorify your name because you are God. You are He. And Father, I pray prayer of blessing right now upon this group of people and anyone who might happen to come across this message online. Father, I just ask that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Give us the capacity, Father, to just slow down and listen. There is so much noise right now. But Father, my prayer is is that you would help us to slow down and to listen to what you're saying and seize upon every opportunity that you present before us to live and embody the kingdom of God in front of men and women, boys and girls. The angry and the violent as well as the peaceful. 
Father, I pray all this in Jesus' name because you're God. And wow, we are so not. But Lord, you give us power. That's the whole point of Pentecost. To empower us to be witnesses. To be able to go into all the world and do the things you commissioned us to do. It's not so we can sit here speaking in tongues and giving personal prophecies. But God, it's to go into all the world working with you and you confirming the sign, the, the word with signs following. Father, I pray this all in your name, that you would bless us with the ability to, to hear you. And then, Father, that we would have the compulsion in you to move forward and bless those who are in need of your love and your grace and your mercy and your intervention in their lives. Because without you, they're just deceived, lost people. It's not a complicated formula. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there anybody in the house today that has a need? Is there any prayer requests on the floor? We have a prayer request. Baby, will you come up and anoint that for me? Riley, will you, will you join your mother and anoint that prayer card? Does anybody have a need on the floor this morning? No one? All right. With that said, I want to tell you that we love you. We're looking forward to next Sunday where everybody gets to come together. We're going to have a happy Father's Day. Amen? You are dismissed this morning. Yes.